1: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writingexcuses. Season 14. Episode 32.
0: This is Writing Excuses, Gender Roles. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Margaret. I'm Howard. And we're talking about how to world-build gender roles, how to approach this topic, which can be a little um, tricky. Um, you, can, uh, you, can, you can veer into some problematic areas in this direction. So we want to touch this very carefully, but very sincerely, and talk about how you might go about world-building different gender roles for your science fiction and fantasy stories.
1: So one of the first things that I think we should acknowledge is that most of us have grown up reading fiction with a very clearly defined binary, mm-hmm. uh, male and female. Uh, there's some fiction like uh, Sherry Tepper's Gate to Women's Country or, or The Left Hand of Darkness, where where there are things that are being played with. But as we become more aware in the 21st century, we realize that that gender is is a spectrum. And I'm going to use an analogy here that is a visually based analogy. So bear with me. Um, there's, uh, I listened to a radio lab uh, and they had this ish, uh, episode on color. And I remember this yes. episode. <laughs> yes. This, this is an amazing thing. And, and the question was why doesn't the word blue appear in Homer's, in, in the Odyssey of the Iliad? It's the wine dark sea. And the answer is because the word blue doesn't exist yet at all, there's just no word for blue. And it's such a basic color that it's difficult for us to imagine a world in which the word blue doesn't exist. What becomes more difficult to grasp is that the reason it doesn't exist yet is because people weren't perceiving that color as blue. It turns out that when you start analyzing all of the languages, that the the order in which words come into the language uh, for color relates to when we begin to be able to reproduce them. So everybody starts off with kind of red and black and white and kind of brown and and kind of a brownish green and a greenish brown. So anyway, so they referenced this video, which I had then went and tracked down, where they talked to um, a tribal people who still do not have the word for blue and showed them this color wheel. And to my eye, it's like, all of these greens that are exactly the same green and then one blue that is very, very clearly blue. And they're like, which square is different? And everyone sits down and goes, um, that one and points to the bottom right or this one points to the upper left, that one. And it like getting the one that is actually blue is totally by chance. And then they show them another wheel, which to my eye is all this kind of olive green all the way around. And they say, which one is different? And they all go, that one with no hesitation at all, to a square that to me looks identical to the others. And what they have discovered through all of this is that once you have a word for something, that you are able to define that and put, put things in that category, and then, until then you don't see it. And what I've realized is that gender is basically the same thing. We've got we talk about a spectrum, but it's really kind of an umbrella. It's sort of messy. Um, but there's no the 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 delineations are delineations that we have created because of language. And so what's happening now is that because language has expanded, we have more things we can talk about, which means that when you are approaching that in your fiction, that starting with a binary is is very limiting and not necessarily, as interesting and representative as you can be with your fiction.
0: Well, where would you go? Where someone starting off with this, what would you suggest? This, like, all right, I don't want to represent um, a binary. I want to. I want to do something that is um, that is exploring this direction.
2: Where do you go? The simplest, the, the simplest path for me was reading things that are written by genders that are not me uh, and that perceive and describe genders differently. Uh, My first experience with this, not gender who isn't me, was uh, David Brin's Glory Season in which he reverses the gender roles that I was familiar with uh, and does so for biological reasons. I look at that now and I'm able to say, oh, he is... He's still making assumptions about the biological determination Mm -hmm. of gender roles, which is in and of itself inherently problematic in our culture. But by reversing things, he allowed me to see—he helped me to see things completely differently. Uh, And that was my first step. Um, Are there things that you guys have read that do this well?
1: So one of the things that I found uh was— Pronoun.is. This this actually came up very recently for me um, because I was helping uh, there's a game that I very much enjoy, and they had set up a binary and then realized that they shouldn't have and were trying to figure out how to to course correct. So they wanted some non-binary pronouns. And pronoun.is deals with non-binary pronouns. And that's that's a very useful thing to to look at. Uh, the other things that I find are looking at uh, tumblers and watching people talk about about their own lived experience. Uh, own voices, hashtag own voices is also very useful. Uh, so if you do hashtag own voices and hashtag non-binary, those two things will bring up conversations that you can listen to. And it, it is important, I want to say, that that you are listening and not inserting yourself into conversations when you're first trying to trying to kind of understand stuff. Um, But those are, those are places where you can watch people interact. Uh, Most of the information that I know has come from people who have been uh, very patient with me to explain things, which is not the best way to learn things because it involves emotional labor on someone else's part, which is why I suggest doing some listening um, before you sit down and start asking questions.
3: Doing your basic research to get the 101 questions before you do your your more advanced field research in a way. I think it's, it's one of those things where if you're setting out to tell a story and you deliberately don't want to replicate gender roles as they are found in whatever your home culture is. You know, for everyone at this table, you know, gender roles in 21st century America. 21st century America actually, 21st century, century white, white America. America. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to break away from whatever feels, you know, home normal to you, I think, you know, the point that Mary is really making. Made and what Brandon started us out with is the temptation is like, well, I'll take what we have and I'll flop it. And men will stay home and raise children and women won't. And the, but right there, you've just replicated the binary and turned it on its head. And you know, taking the opportunity to step into to push yourself, as we were saying in the earlier episode, into. Sort of your unknown unknowns mm-hmm. you know it's not just you know the opposite of what we have is probably closer to your normal than you might want to think it is yeah you, what's you ninety start, degrees different from your normal you
2: have to start somewhere and as I said you know talking about the about the Brin novel, which was thankfully a little more complex than simply reversing it it was yeah. pretty cool what he did um, but but you acknowledge that there is a first step and then you want to do, you want to do more research. And as Mary has said, and as I would reiterate over and over and over again, listen to people and listen non-judgmentally. Yeah. Listen to their experience and try to understand how their experience is different from yours and why their experience is different than yours. Um, but not whether their experience is good or bad in relation to yours. Yeah,
3: I, and I do want to stress when I say your normal, I'm using your normal because it is subjective, whatever yeah. normal is to you.
0: I'm not sure if I have the language that even ask this question correctly, but is there a danger in exoticizing the unfamiliar and then going that direction and falling into cliches and tropes? Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Which is why it's important to to do the research and to understand why you're making the choices, and and also to know. And this is why I recommend lis- listening in on on Tumblr or or Twitter conversations, because this is where people are going to complain about times that they have been objectified or uh, fetishized or, or exoticized, uh, where, where people are just like doing things that are are harmful uh, and that's where where people were, will be complaining about it where you're less likely to see some of the complaining in a, a published work, partly just because it's gonna necessarily be behind the times. Um, it's it's not ideal, but it is it is useful.
3: Yeah, I think that you know going into recording this episode, we' were a little sort of all kind of sidling up to this topic a bit. And, you know, in part, that some of that probably comes from the fact that the four of us at this table, we have what, you know, from a classical standpoint, is we have good gender balance at this table. But we do all identify as either male or female, as far as I'm aware. Yeah.
2: And we recognize that the entire topic is inherently fraught. Yes. Because of, because of how deeply it affects everyone. And how, and I, to borrow a phrase from Mary, how if we write things incorrectly, uh, it's not just that we offend, it's that by reinforcing a stereotype, we can do harm. Yeah. And and I like that. I like the stated goal that, you know, as we write things, uh, I want to represent things well, I want to tell a story that is interesting, but above all, I don't want to hurt Anyone, yeah, yeah. By I am telling it wrong.
3: You don't want to use changes in gender roles or changes in gender identity. You don't want to use that as the sprinkles on top of your Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was
0: just about to kind of ask that question. I I'll make a, this
3: exciting by yeah. <laughs> having five genders. It's like
0: <laughs> let's stop for our book of the week, and then I'll have a, hopefully an interesting question along those lines.
1: So the book of the week is Autonomous by Annalee Newitz, and this is really. Uh, so first of all, it's a good book and you should just read it. Um, but the main character is uh, is a robot. It's a cyborg. Uh, it, in that, no, it's a robot. Uh, and the the character has a brain, a human brain, that does some visual processing. That's the only thing the brain does. There are no memories attached to it. There's nothing. The character gets to choose what pronoun is being used. Most people, because it's this enormous battle robot, use he at the beginning. And someone asks, is that what you want? And the robot realizes, oh, actually, I can choose that. And by choosing she partway through the novel... It changes the relationship that she has with the other main character, um, and it's it's very interesting, and an interesting exploration of the fact that as humans we desperately want to put things into boxes. Like a robot has no need of a gender at all. A robot is a robot, but our need to 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 do that, uh, and and then the the perceptions that we have about the, the role that that robot then fulfills based on the gender assignment or assigning the gender based on the roles. Mm. It's, it's very interesting what that does, the, the, the things that happen to your brain, especially when the gender switch happens uh, or the pronoun switch happens because robot, there robot. is no gender uh, when the pronoun switch happens. So it's, it's a wonderful book. Um, it's also, you know, just let let's say there's a lot of ecological terrorism and stuff going on. There's there's lots of rollicking adventure and and explosions. So it's not just a Hello Ginger studies, but it's <laughs> it's really good. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah.
3: It reminds me a little bit of there's a thread in some of the later books in the Parasitology trilogy by Mira Grant, mm. where spoilers, if anybody hasn't read these. Intelligent tapeworms are basically taking over their human hosts. And they're tapeworms. Tapeworms do not have a binary gender. And there is one of these characters who does not identify with the gender of their current human host. And the other there's another tapeworm who's like, what What is your problem with this? You are a tapeworm. You shouldn't be identifying as male or female and being bothered with whether or not that matches the human body you are in.
0: So I have a question for you. Um, and we're going to try this out. We'll see if this works. Um, I am writing a um, science fiction book which has uh, alien races who don't reproduce or view reproduction in the way that humans do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, Say what I'm doing here, and I'm going to ask you point out directions I could go that would be bad, or directions I could go that would be How? good.
1: We're, it's only 15 minutes long, Brandon. <laughs> yes, I
0: know. Um, and People we'll see, are in a hurry. We'll see if this works. And if it I'm doesn't, definitely work, not. That smart. <laughs> you guys won't even hear this. So, um, all right. So, what I'm writing right now is an alien species where their sexes are lefts and rights. They are left, and they are right. Um, and a left and a right will combine together and create a new trial personality that if they end up liking and their, their, uh, their family ends up liking, they will give birth to that person who will have the memories of those, that event of being this person for a while. If it is not, they will break the coupling and it will not. So for a period of several months, they are one individual together as one, walking around and interacting, accessing some of the memory and knowledge of the two parents. Um, I have humans interacting with this and really struggling to wrap their brains around it. Where could I go wrong? How would you approach something like this? Um, Any suggestions for me?
1: Well, I mean, the obvious question is what happens when two lefts are compatible? Right. Like,
2: no. Two lefts are compatible right? What's that? Two? Yeah. <laughs> no. Who's on first? Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: It's, <laughs> I mean, in a weird way, when you describe it to me, it almost doesn't feel like a stand-in for gender or the biological sexes. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you you have two halves that are coming together and potentially creating a th- third being but it seems like it doesn't it's not necessarily reading as reproduction unless i'm misunderstanding what you're saying well, i intend it reproduc- to
0: be their reproductive cycle this is how they this is how new individuals are born
2: so and the, so the individual- two of them the two of them combine and and if they decide that they like what has been created here they will
0: split and a baby will be born
2: okay and that and the the newborn, how do we determine if it's left or right? Is that random? Is that? I th- think that is random. Okay.
0: Um, and which which
1: does the newborn come out of the left or the right?
0: I think they both have. Um, they, they have to. They have yeah. to connect. Yes. Is
3: is is it just like what? I don't want to ask biologic sort of Mm plumbing-related questions here, but why is there a difference between lefts and rights?
0: Lefts and rights? Hmm. Um, Maybe because I'm just going with a binary because I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah. um, Would be my guess. Um, I did want, when this individual is made, you can tell that there's, you know, they are larger than a normal individual, and they have— and um, there's a seam. And there's a seam, and I'm probably shading. The only uh, sexual dimorphism, if that's the right term, you would have is um, kind of um, a red shade and a blue shade so that uh, we have um, kind of this alien different skin color that is kind of a trope in science fiction that I'm ho- trying to play with. Mm-hmm.
3: But, I mean, why not have it be being and being? Like Mary yeah. said, you know, if mm-hmm. two, two beings are designated as right, but why shouldn't they be compatible? Or why not have, you know, red, blue, yellow, green, aqua, sort of like, you know, like oh, a, an orange and an aqua have gotten together. <laughs> I would say
0: my reasoning for that, um, and it's totally possible I could have Bad reasoning. This. My reasoning for that is it's a lot to take in in a YA novel, and I need to build on some foundations of um, of quick conversation. I'm introducing like eight alien species in this book, and so it felt simpler to say they have two sexes that are not anything like the two sexes you are used to.
1: I guess the thing is that mm-hmm. uh, as you're talking about, I'm like, but why do they have sexes at all? Like. Why? Why isn't it just these things combine? And the term you may yeah. want
2: mm-hmm. is the term that we use in chemistry. Uh-huh. You have left-handed and right-handed sugars. Yeah, uh, they're isomers. So let me ask you this:
0: Is it wrong for me to want that? Just because in the world building, that is what I like. It's not.
1: It, it's not wrong, but it's it feels it feels like you're defaulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that that there are more interesting options and and that's really like i don't i don't hear anything as you're talking going oh there's a real problem there what i hear is that's not as interesting as i think you could be and i don't think that it would take that many more words right. i think
2: the interest is going to stem from how the humans react to what they're seeing um because the humans are going to be you know our our stand-ins for our interaction with this and if there are difficult questions that you want to ask about how humans, you know, about this, about our understanding, about, you know, how mm-hmm. this alien culture works, about how their roles may be different, whether they're a left or mm-hmm. a right isomer, um, the, I'm already writing your book for you by giving <laughs> you the word. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way the humans react, I think, is where you, you can get into the most trouble. Because if you have somebody, and you almost certainly will, who is passing judgment, the way in which the narrative treats that person is going to tell the reader how they should feel about about Mm -hmm. uh, non-binary genders, about genders that are different from them.
3: Well, also, if you have two categories, and in order to have reproduction two dissimilar categories, individuals of two dissimilar categories get together and Mm -hmm. create a third, it's going to read, I mean, if I were Mm -hmm. reading that cold, that to me would read as an allegory or an analogy Mm -hmm. of a gender binary. Yeah. And it's sort of the, you know, if the thing that eats grass and has long ears and a puffy tail Mm -hmm. goes around and hops, even if it's on an alien planet, it's kind of a rabbit.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of what mm-hmm. is happening for me. Is that it? It still feels like you have a gender binary,
0: right? Is it okay though? Like, I guess okay is the wrong term. Um, if that's the direction I want to explore, yeah, um, yeah, that's
1: there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. It's just, I, I think the the where I would mm-hmm. what I would say, and this is why I asked, what happens if there are two lefts that right. want to get together is is the assumption that everyone is comfortable in the body that they're born into. Right. Which is not the case. Mm-hmm. And it's not the case with humans. It's often, you know, I, I don't understand why it would be the case with an alien species. Uh,
3: we, we know that... Not to um, mention, it assumes everyone is going, wishes to be compatible with yes, somebody mm-hmm. of the opposite-handedness. Yeah. Right. Um,
1: And... And, you know, and then i I'm like the other parts of my world building stuff are going, well, obviously, you know you I assume that you are able to do more when you are coupled, uh because that must be there must be an additional advantage there, um so therefore, is there an advantage to being coupled, and do you have difficulty getting work when you are uncoupled hmm. um so these are the questions that I'm mm-hmm. like like what what happens, and what is the incentive to uncouple if everybody likes this?" this individual? Is it that you can, that you can only have the child if you uncouple? Like, what are the, Mm -hmm. the, there's a lot of societal ramifications that, that are inherent in this, that I, I'm.
2: Yeah. No, it's, I, a concept that gets explored in science fiction a lot is the alien race that shows up and the idea of war or the idea of lying is completely alien to them. Um, A society, a race in which uh, gender—I don't know what the word would be—where you're not happy with the body you've you've been born into or created into, a society in which that never happens would be very alien to us. And our interactions with those people, especially the interaction of someone who isn't happy with the body they have and is interacting with these folks— that could be interesting to explore. Uh, that path is fraught because you you don't want to say, see, these aliens are better than us because they're just happy the way they're born. Yeah, and that's and, not the message you want to send at yeah, all. Yeah, and also I don't think that that would actually be— like, I, I find that implausible.
1: Anyway, um, that, that's a planet of hats. It's a planet of hats. I mean, just, just because— uh, it's when, – when you look at the behavior of – granted, these are, these are fictional creatures, but when you, when you look at, at – you know, Margaret already yeah. said it better. It's a planet of hats if, if everybody's See, yeah. comfortable.
0: Like when uh, it, it, it's – one of the dif- da- difficulties – I'll say difficulties – you run into when doing this is you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question – like when you say, why can't um, uh, it just be two individuals of any sort couple? I could totally do that, uh absolutely, um so I have to ask myself, why am I not, or why do I want to do it this other way and this is the the question when we come into like is it sprinkles right is yeah. it sprinkles on your cake that you uh, uh, when are you just adding these things to add flavor, and is that can simply be reductive of the way that people see the world and using them to exoticize your story um which is a dangerous past dangerous path to go down. But at the same time, science fiction's job, in my opinion, is to start asking some of these questions and uh, say, reader, what if we encountered something like this? How do we respond to it? Mm -hmm. Um, And this sort of thing. And so it's really an interesting sort of um, tangled problem that is important to approach, asking yourself where. Is it a sprinkle? Where is it actually part of your story? Where would you say that line is? And probably not a line, but uh, that continuum. And how do you go one way rather than the other? Think,
3: to me, I feel like, and and not to swerve away from the question here, but I mm-hmm. think it is a question that's difficult to answer in the abstract mm-hmm. because it depends on the story you're telling. There's one thing when you're constructing a story specifically to explore or make a statement about the role of gender in our society or potentially in an alien society. But that's also—it doesn't mean that any story that has humans or aliens with other than binary gender— has to be a story about that. Yeah. You know, every story with a queer person doesn't have to be about the, the struggles and agonies of being queer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just happening and you're saving the world and it, you know, it doesn't really matter.
1: For, for me, the, the line, when I see it done badly, um, it's that they've added this thing and it has absolutely no impact on the society at all. Uh, mm. where the world maps exactly the same. It's like, no, of course, women are in charge. This is totally a matriarchy, and yet our great leaders are all men. Uh, all of the courtship rituals are still the men coming to the woman and proposing. It's like, no, the, no, if the women are in all charge— All the female
3: characters are really obsessed with the men.
1: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, these, these are—so if there's no effect, um, that's when I feel like it's just a sprinkle— uh, and when I say affect, what I mean is not that it is becomes a major plot point, as as Margaret was saying, but that um, that it affects the way the character moves through the world. Uh, and the example that I've I've used in in previous podcasts is, you know, I'm five foot seven, my husband is five eleven, so that very small difference between us affects the way we move through the world, and that when we go to get cereal down he can just reach up and get it i sometimes have to get a footstool or stand on my toes and and it's a small detail but it it does affect the way you move through the world you know as as someone who is white and and a cis woman i don't ever have to do any defense about when i go to a store about uh where i'm shopping i don't have to do any thinking about what bathroom i use never will i have to think about those things uh, so that affects the way I move through the world, and and I think that if you have if you've introduced uh, genders, that there will be people who have opinions about these genders, uh, the the gender roles. It's it's going to affect the way the character moves through the world. If you have actually constructed a society around it, and if you haven't, it again, it doesn't have to be the plot point. But if you haven't done that, then then then
2: it is just sprinkles. There people, is story purpose. Uh, where your purpose in writing the story uh, is broken if this piece is removed. Uh, and and I, I come back to that a lot. Is there a story purpose for this thing that I'm including? Um, there's the concept of th- the way background color affects how you perceive the foreground color. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put things in your story that exist so that we perceive the active elements differently. Uh, And then it's not just background. It is background that influences our perception. And that's a—it's complicated to think about. It's easier to picture with one of those optical illusion things with the grays and the whatever. Um, But that model works well for me because sometimes I will say a thing and realize, oh, it's just a background. It doesn't matter to the story, except its existence makes the story tell differently. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, when Mary was talking, sort of going back to the effect that it has, and I think that also ties to people, whatever the gender spectrum looks like in the world you're creating, people will have opinions about it. That said, if everybody's opinions align to the opinions that you would expect to run into in our 21st century American white society, you probably haven't thought through the ramifications so much. You know, if this is what everyone has grown up with, why is everybody acting like, you know, men are in charge, women, you know, men are real men, women are real women, people who are neither real men or real women are kind of auxiliarily floating off in the background someplace. That's a place, that's something to be worried about, I think. Yeah.
0: All right. This has been really interesting. Um, I hope this has been helpful to our listeners. Mary, you're going to give us some homework.
1: Right. So I'm going to send you to a spreadsheet that we've used before, which is a, a spreadsheet about axes of power. And uh, we'll link to this in the liner notes. Basically, what I want you to do is take a look at your characters uh, and taking a look at, at their gender and and think about the axis of power. Like, which is the dominant gender uh, which is the, the subordinate gender, where do, where do things line up on that spectrum? So, for instance, in 21st century America, a cis man, which is a man who was born into a male body or with male genitalia, uh, so a cis man is at the top. He is, he is the dominant. Um, cis women are farther down. And when you get down to the, the lower end of the spectrum, uh, we have non-binary, trans men, trans women, in terms of the, the power that they're able to exert in society and, and the dangers that they encounter just living in the world. So what I want you to do is I want you to, to take this idea and look at the characters that you have in your story and decide whether or not you are uh, sticking with the default or if you are shifting it. And whichever choice you make, just do it deliberately. Don't do it by accident. That's all I ask. But as an exercise, break out of your defaults.
0: This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
1: Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.
4: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously.